Hey everybody, Ben here for the Bono Podcast, and if you listened to the podcast last weekend, you would have heard me mention to Trips that I had a tingling, that we were going to get some Blood Bowl news, and Trips pointed out that the Blood Bowl news I was thinking of, the Blood Bowl news my tingle was thinking of, was the FAQ, and the FAQ is here. So today, the FAQ dropped on Warhammer Community, so as ever, we're going to check it out. Okay, so over on Warcom, uh, there's no article about it yet, that might change later, but you go to downloads, you go to Blood Bowl, and then you've got, if you don't know about it, this is where all the star player cards are, which is actually really good, but we don't care about that right now. We are going to click Designers Commentary November 2023. Now, this is a 17-page document now, but we don't need to worry about that. The great thing about this is, I think, is it searchable? Is it searchable? Ooh, it might be searchable. Let's see if rulebook. Yeah, it's searchable. Uh, so that's good. Um, it's searchable, and the only things we're going to worry about today are the things that are in magenta, because those are the new things, the new clarifications. So uh, the Blood Bowl team, I think, does a really good job of kind of liaising with the community and seeing what people want to kind of get clarified. So let's see if we've got any big clear-ups here. Okay, so first one is Blood Bowl rulebook. If both coaches have an inducement, skill, trait, etc. that takes place at the end of a team turn, who will resolve first? And the answer is the coach whose team turn has just taken place will resolve any inducement, skills, etc. at first, then their opponent will resolve any of theirs. All right, that's, that's just pretty standard game design, and I think that's perfectly fine. So if it's my turn, I get to activate my stuff first. I get priority, to use a magic time. Then uh, once priority is passed, it goes over to my opponent, which makes a lot of sense. This is what I like, is when we're looking at the FAQ and we're reading the rules and we go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's what we want. Can a bribe be used to prevent a player being sent off as a result of the officious ref kickoff event? No, it can't. So, trying to think if that's how we've played it before. I don't think anyone's really tried it. So, <laughs> in my league or in any of the tournaments. So, no, I think because of the way it's written, you don't kind of consider it. Um, so, no, anyway, you don't get to use a foul. You don't get to use a bribe. So, that, that works. Again, that seems really reasonable. Uh, question. Oh, I wish these were numbered. Um, question 27. If a player that is stunned becomes stunned again, what happens? So, how much stun can you stun a stun if a stun player is stunned stunned? If a player begins their team turn stunned, they will automatically roll over and become prone at the end of the turn. All right, that's wicked. The reason that's such a good bit to clear up is as a vampire coach... Uh, or if you're using Animal Savagery, and you deck one of your own players during your team turn, that's not fair. If you end up, if you bite one of your own players that was stunned at the start of your turn, now they're going to trigger at the end of your turn and become prone. But if you begin your team turn not stunned, then they don't. Okay. I think that's the right call. I think that's absolutely the right way it should be played. It is a bit, I mean, there's only 22 players on a pitch, right? So it's not going to cause a huge amount of concern or a huge amount of, like, vagueness. But if you've got two stunned players and one of them starts the turn stunned and then you re-stun him and then another guy doesn't start the turn stunned and you stun him, you get to turn one over at the end of your turn and one not over. I mean, yeah, that's fine. It's not going to wreck anybody's day or anything, but... I think that's I think that's fine. I think that's fine. If a player with passing ability of six plus uh, gets their PA reduced by one, what happens? There's a minimum of six plus. We knew that already. Do I have to argue the call in order to use a bribe? No. But should the bribe fail, 
you cannot then attempt to argue the call as the chance to do so has passed. Which leads on to the next bit, which I, I don't think I don't think I noticed before. If a coach is ejected for having rolled one when attempting to argue the call, are they prevented from using bribe inducement for that one or for the rest of the game? So just for that one. So the way it goes is you do something, uh, your player gets sent off, and then you go argue the call first, then you can use a bribe. If you argue the call and roll a one, you can't then use a bribe. If you use a bribe, you can't then argue the call. So that's probably a good thing to clarify. I feel like there's another bit to do with bribes a little bit later on as I had a quick look while I was making my cup of tea. Right, can you clarify what the penalties are for conceding a game? Please go read page 67. Um, if the game goes to extra time, how much additional turn, how many additional turns are played by each coach? This is really interesting to see because there was a Blood Bowl community uh, Facebook article thread about this um and the answer is each coach will take eight team turns because the way the rule book says is every it's basically you play eight more turns so people are like what is that four each is that eight each like because that's 16 turns the answer is 16 turns it's eight turns each i'm gonna interject here and i wholeheartedly recommend doing overtime a different way and i i mean try it Playing a whole other eight turns with an 11s game is another hour, basically. I would always suggest when it comes to overtime, but you've got to agree this beforehand, playing on, say, right, we'll play on, golden goal, next person to score wins. It just feels better, it flows better. And then you get to the game and you're like, well, you were about to score, but now it's a draw normally? Or it's like, oh, now we go to overtime and you were about to score, but actually now it's a whole new half. I would recommend that. However, that is the clarification. In league play, our infamous coaching staff and infamous sideline staff like Joseph Bugman or the cheerleader lady, if they can play on the pitch, are they eligible for MVP? No, they're not. Though these folk might think of themselves as players, they are coaches and support staff, infamous ones at that. So they don't get uh, eligible for the MVP. Love that. Can the catch skill be used when attempting to catch a bomb? No, a bomb is not a ball. <laughs> While I appreciate the sass of that, I think pass works, <laughs> and a bomb is not a ball. But yeah, anyway, catch, you can't re-roll the, the catch. So if someone yeets a bomb at you, you don't get a chance to, to catch it again. Fine. What happens if a player already has the catch skill or the monstrous mouth skill and randomly rolls the other skill? If the player has monstrous mouth and subsequently rolls catch, they can re-roll it. If they have catch but subsequently roll monstrous mouth, they have to keep it because monstrous mouth does extra stuff versus catch it's just strictly better uh it's catch but you have the protection of um sure hands versus strip ball so monstrous mouth is better than catch so if you've got catch and you roll monstrous mouth congratulations um if it's the other way around you get to re-roll it which i like if a player with a diving catch skill attempts to catch the ball when it is landing in an adjacent square and fails where where does the ball bounce from the ball bounces from the, the square it was initially going to land so if you've got your little dude and the ball lands here you can try and catch it with diving catch if you succeed you catch the ball if you don't succeed the ball scatters from the target square which makes much sense which is kind of like our threshold here isn't it if a player with the leap skill or pogo skill has used all of their movement allowances and attempting to use the leap skill or pogo skill to jump over a square what happens if they fail the rush roll if the rush roll fails and the player will fall over in the square they've moved into, do not roll the agility test for the jumping player. Or the jumping player. Oh, yeah, fine. So if you are, yeah, 
it makes sense. The same as like dodging out to a square. You move, you roll for dodge, you roll, you roll for rush, and then you roll for dodge. It's the same here. You move, you roll for rush. If that fails, you don't bother rolling for the other one. Um, that's that page, which is nice. If a player, right, a player with both the pro skill and the brawler skill performs block, rolls two block dice and rolls both down on both dice, can the controlling coach choose to use brawler on one of the dice and then subsequently attempt to use pro on the other dice that has not been rolled yet? Yes, so long as the same dice is not re-rolled more than once. I love this. This comes into play if you are a black orcs or a kraken one. If you roll a random general and get pro on a black orc, now you've got pro, now you've got brawler. You roll a two die block, you get both down, both down. You can use brawler to re-roll one. And if that doesn't do what you want to do, you can try using pro on the other dice. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I like the way that works in that circumstance. I know, I feel like I'd, I'd use pro on one of them first, uh, but it doesn't really matter. It, it's cool. I like it. Um... That's that. If a player with a strip ball skill rolls a pushback result against a player who is holding the ball and that player is pushed into the end zone, is a touchdown scored? No. Because the way um, the touchdown trigger kind of works, to use terminology, at the end of a player's activation, the game state is checked. If there is a player standing with the ball in the end zone, it's a touchdown. If you pop them into the end zone and at the end of that bit, the ball then pops out before the next block happens or something then it's it's play on so that's fine uh, if a player with the frenzy skill performs a block action against a rooted player and rolls a pushback does the player with frenzy still get to block again even though the rooted player cannot be pushed back yes okay that's good there's been a couple of frenzy questions over the last few months isn't there where it's like what about stand firm does that do a thing um if the player with a safe pass skill and running pass skill fumbles a pass action does the activation end or because they make can they make use of running pass the activation will end in that circumstance. Uh, and I think that's bang on because they haven't actually passed, right? <laughs> so they, they failed the fumble, safe pass triggers. They don't actually make the throw, essentially. So you can't use them running past them. So that makes, that makes sense. If the player that is performing a block action against a player with the Mighty Blow plus one skill rolls the player down result, can the defending player use the Mighty Blow plus one skill? So I go punch an ogre, I skull out, does the ogre get to use Mighty Blow? No, as the player with the Mighty Blow plus one skill has not performed the block action. Okay, again, that makes sense. I missed the way it was done in the old times where it was just, it was kind of like pretty straightforward, wasn't it? It's like, ooh, I've got Mighty Blow, it, it, it just works all the time, but I guess it's better now i think yeah, i don't know it's fine if my player with animal savagery trait this is this is an interesting one because this has been asked quite a lot if my animal savagery player lashes out against my own teammate and has pile driver is my opponent able to make me perform a foul against my teammate no they cannot force you to use the pile driver skill love that clears it up normally what pile driver does is you block a dude you roll for armor if you don't roll, if you don't break armor, or if you just don't like the result, then you can foul them as well for free. It's not free. It uses your foul action. You can get sent off as as, as always. So, pile driver is the kind of skill that works really, really well on players with dirty player. So your death roller and your um, snotling love wagon. Beautiful, beautiful combo skill. I love that snotling. So you got the pile driver on the dirty player snotling pump wagon with a couple of guard trolls. You just absolutely boom in through. Absolutely love that. Um, can a player with the ball and chain declare a foul? No, they can only use ball and chain. If the player with the ball and chain trait rolls the pile driver skill, do they get to re-roll it? Yes, they do. 
Does the player with ball and chain trait generate star player points as if they cause casualty as part of a block action performed during a ball and chain move special action? Yes, they do. Can a player with a ball and chain trait use the brawler skill? Yes, they can because they are not blitzing, but they are making a block action. Um, cool. Love that. That all makes a lot of sense. Can a prone player who becomes rooted still stand up? Yes, please stand up. Please stand up. Does a player who has lost their tackle zone as a result of hypnotic gaze trait have to drop the ball? No. That is probably uh, in response to the wording of bloodlust. If you fail a bloodlust, don't bite a dude. At the end of your activation, you lose your uh, tackle zone and you drop the ball. Hypnogaze kind of works very similarly, so I, I can understand people wanting that cleared up. Um, I mean... Yeah, that's, that's fine to clear up. Does a player with Hypnogaze, who targets a player with a Foul Appearance skill, need to roll for Foul Appearance before performing the Hypnotic Gaze special action? Yes. So, I Hypnogaze you, I walk over, I've passed Bloodlust, because I'm a good vampire, then before I Hypnogaze, I Foul Appearance. Works differently to the Blitz Trigger, I believe. Because the Blitz Trigger, you declare a target with the action, so that it can get stuff like foul appearance working but more importantly dump off uh can i yep when i use a bribe can i use additional bribes if the first one fails yes what kind of self-respecting referee is going to turn down more gold love this so we've had a bit of a bribe clear up here which is probably in response to the changing of um turnover rules well, maybe it is maybe it's not um so if you foul or get sent off you can argue the call if you fail the argue the call, i.e. you roll a 1, you don't get to use a bribe. If you fail the argue the call but don't roll a 1, you can then use a bribe. If that fails, you can use as many bribes as you've got. I like that. That seems <laughs> very above board. Uh, if Lord Borak, the despoiler, is KO'd or removed as a casualty and then subsequently returns to the pitch, does he still lose his reroll? Yes, although the KO will only remove him temporarily, he has still been removed from play. Okay, that'll be useful because Borak's pretty good in tournaments with that extra. He's a strength 5 bruiser. Again, got a good bit of dirty player and comes with the kind of reroll. Really good fun. I mean, we're doing the Borak thumb. During a move action, can the giant mercenary player inducement change facing while not physically moving any squares, i.e. spend zero of their MA to change facing while staying in place and end their activation? Yes, it may change its facing without having to move any squares. This is massive. It's giant if you are running a giant. So you can activate the giant and instead of, you know, you just move for zero. Can you block and then change facing? I don't know. I'm going to say yes. Uh, love that. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. What have we got here? Norse. If a player moves into a square in which the ball is placed as a result of Ivar Eriksson's raiding party special rule, do they have to try and pick up the ball? And if they do, do they ignore the modifiers to the agility check provided by opposing tackle zones? Yes, they must try and pick up the ball as normal, and they will be affected by the modifiers provided opposing uh, provided by opposing players' tackle zones. So Ivar, the animal, can activate, choose a dude within a couple of squares, three squares or something, and they can move one square just free. If you move that player onto the ball, they still got to try and pick it up. And therefore, if they try and pick it up during your active team turn and fail, then I don't think it's going to be a turnover there. If a player is removed as a casualty by Scrog Snowpelt and then subsequently patched by an apothecary, does his team still gain the reroll from the pump up the crowd special rule? Yes, it does. And we've got Amazon clarification here too. If a player uses hit and run trait to move out of the tackle zone of a player with tentacles, does tentacles get to use the skill? no um 
I think I've seen quite a lot of discussion about this kicking around. Tentacles is a weird skill. I feel like it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's been nerfed in this edition, but it's kind of, meh. Tentacles just doing tentacles thing. Hit and run um, just kind of escapes you that, which is interesting. I would have I would have probably ruled that as a yes, but actually that's fine. It's clarified. Amazon coaches, be aware. Tentacle coaches, be very aware. All right, here we go. So vampires are the big shiny at the moment, right? They've got some very cool star players. They've got some very cool roster builds. They're just, just a very cool team. I'm very much enjoying them. But there's some complicated rules. So let's have a look at some of the clarifications from Spike16. Does the running pass skill allow a player with the bloodlust trait to continue moving after biting a thrall and then performing a pass? Yes. I'm trying to think of whether we bother talking about that because it's, it's quite specific. It is going to come up. So if you've got... It's not really going to come up. When are you going to take running pass? Maybe a random passing, but don't do that. Guys, don't do that. Uh, so does running pass allow a player with bloodlust trait to continue moving after biting a thrall so you activate your thrower your vampire thrower you didn't like him very much so you gave him running past uh and then well i suppose in this circumstance it's actually really good you fail you move to a thrall you chomp the thrall continue moving after biting a thrall and then performing a pass so you bite the throat you bite the dude the end of your move then you can throw then you can move to continue moving after biting a thrall and then performing a pass that's an interesting one after moving after biting a thrall and then performing a pass as that as that's written you can move bite a dude move then pass hmm, interesting uh, if a player with the bloodlust trait ends their activation prone, can they still bite a thrall? No. A player with bloodlust must be standing in order to bite a thrall. Okay, fine. So if you stack it, if you stack it on a dodge, that means you will also <laughs> drop the ball and have no tackle zone, but you're going to be on the ground anyway. So as far as rules concerned, that's fine. What happens if a player with the bloodlust trait fails the bloodlust roll and is then placed prone as a result of the wrestle skill during the block action? We did have this come up at club the other week, I think. Then the player with the bloodlust has been unable to bite a thrall. A turnover is caused and the vampire will lose their tackle zone until they're next activated, although they are on the ground anyway. So, wrestle. So, defensive wrestling against a bloodlusted vampire is going to end their turn which is magic unless yeah because they can't use it when they're on the ground oh okay watch out for that one uh what happens if a player with the bloodlust trait fails the bloodlust roll and is forced to end their activation early found appearance blitz potentially then the player with the bloodlust trait has been unable to bite a thrall turnover is caused and the vampire will lose their tackle zone until they're next activated and will immediately drop the ball if they're holding it so be careful on the blitz if you're blitzing a found appearance guy and it triggers and you fail it and your activation ends that's 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 serious this one i love this is fantastic and i'm really glad they clarified this one which players count as dwarves for ivan the animal death shrouds dwarven scourge 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 dwarven scourge special rule i say it wrong i'm sorry well 
If it looks like a dwarf, walks like a dwarf, and holds grudges like a dwarf, then it is probably a dwarf. However, just in case there are any doubts, the following players are considered dwarves. Dwarf blocker linemen, dwarf runners, dwarf blitzers, troll slayers, death rollers, old world dwarf blockers, old world dwarf runners, old world dwarf troll slayers, chaos dwarf blockers, bull centaur blitzers, grim iron jaw, scroll half eye, grom brindle, the white dwarf, gave that one away, and Joseph Bugman. In addition, any player who has dwarf in their position name, uh, or any player who is described as being a dwarf in their background, should be considered a dwarf for the purpose of Ivan's special rule. Realistically, the only one there that kind of brought up question was the Bull Centaur. Uh, so I love that they've kind of clarified it. I think that makes a lot of sense. The, the, the animal's ability is quite good. Once per game, you get a Mighty Blow. That's Mighty Blow plus two against a Dwarf. Right. Um, no changes there. No changes there. No changes there. Uh, we've got some Vampire clarifications. Page five. Uh, replace the first sentence with the following whenever a player with this trait activates even if they are prone or lost attack or zone after declaring an action they must roll a d6 adding plus one to the roll if they declared block action or blitz action that is for triggering bloodlust page nine we're not going to worry about that's the teams of like what they're called heroic teams or something they're, they're, don't worry about that old world alliance card pack don't worry about that either okay so some really good clarifications the running pass one is interesting as as written it means you can declare a pass, run over, declare a pass, fail bloodlust, run to a guy, eat the guy, then move, then throw the ball. Uh, that is how it's written. That's probably how you're going to see it play out. It, I think it, is that how I think it's meant to be played. I think you're meant to be able to bite the guy, throw the ball, and then continue moving afterwards. But hey, I'll take a boost to vampires. But the really interesting thing, we've had no tier changes. And the Mega Stars list has not changed. Personally, I don't think that's. I think that's probably fine. Uh, and I say that because it's November, and if you've got a tournament in December or January or February or even March, their players have started brewing up their rosters. The rule packs are already out, so I do very much like kind of holding off on that potentially, and maybe doing it just once a year. Megastars wise, there's a clamoring for Cindy to be promoted to a megastar. I don't know if that's going to be quite as prevalent now with bombs being kind of nerfed a bit. Um, but that is the clamoring uh, I, I hear anyway that, that you guys kind of say. Uh, and some people have said whether Creek or not needs to be a megastar. I mean, he has a big effect on the game. So I don't mind that one so much. And, and I think that's all right. But otherwise, I think the megastars list is probably right. I am intrigued to see whether any of the vampires will make it on there. Um, I don't think so. I don't think I think they're good, but I don't think they're broken. I think they're very good. I just don't think they're broken. So that's probably quite good. The tier list at the moment is reasonable. We had a great chat about tiers on the podcast last week because actually, if you kind of yeah, I, I think they're probably about right. We had a look at the statistics over the forever or the last period for Blood Bowl. No, forever. And actually, the tiering group is is pretty much there in order of win percentage. There's a few outliers, but there's always going to be overachievers. There's always going to be underachievers. Uh, so if the tier, the top of tier two and the bottom of tier one, there's going to be some crossover. And there's going to be some tier two teams that kind of cross over with tier three on a winning percentage point of view. And actually, games don't have to be perfectly balanced to be fun. 
They just have to be fun to be fun. And sometimes unbalanced stuff can be unfun and then you can't have an unfun fun game so it stops being fun. Hence this list of shame here. Some of these make the game a little bit unfun. With the fun back in and the removal of the unfun, then I think the unfun is less and now it's more fun than it was unfun. So I like that. Anyway, I think... I think the FAQ has cleared up all of the questions. I think they've done a good job hitting up some, some questions that were asked. Running pass, I don't know if that's meant to be like that, but that is, that is what it says. To continue moving after biting a thrall and then performing a pass. That's exactly what it says, so we're, we're good to go with that. Um, hit and run, getting out of tackles, uh, getting out of tentacles is pretty good. Um, it's interesting. There's only really been one FAQ, I think, where uh, the tiers and the mega stars happened. But every time, and there's only one FAQ where the star player costs changed. But every time there's an FAQ brewing, there's this vibe of ooh, what team's going to go up? What team's going to go down? What star player is going to change cost? And it really doesn't feel like Games Workshop are interested in changing too much or any of how that works. And you know we're war gamers you look to the left you look to the right you see the historic cesspool that 40k was and then you see the wordy misery of age of sigma and we kind of sit on this island of blood bowl where all we want is to overtax star players a little bit well actually the mega star rules allow you to do that now and that's not bad at all tears change up your own tears for a tournament doesn't really affect the way the game plays and actually there are some real edge cases when it comes to faqs now, I would be remiss in saying that the other clamoring is for bombers, goblin bombers to be fixed. And with the way they've gone, and like I said, it's about removing unfun things from the game. Bombs were not fun. They were fun while you were bombing, but they added a lot of time. Okay, so my, my role is about optimization and workload kind of management. Every kind of bomb procedure added some serious ticks to the game. And if you're running snotlings with two bombs or goblins with two bombers, it adds, I don't know, that probably adds 20 minutes to your game. Already you're kind of like, is it worth it? Is it as overpowered? And actually, spending 20 minutes having your guys blown to bits, I mean, even saving Private Ryan, the intro was only eight minutes long. That was awesome at eight minutes. 20 minutes, that would have been a bit much. But that is the clamoring. The star player tweaks cindy and the bomb procedures i think they've potentially gone with the kind of less is more the safer is more approach because actually that gives the the, the overall kind of more fun approach it sucks for goblins but everybody else makes the game a little bit more fun and well, we run to i mean we beat tol we did what 50 50 people at bonehead bowl Oh, I don't know. It worked. The game is working really, really, really well. And I think it is potentially at the point where it's perfectly imperfect in a really good place. So I'm very happy with that. Anyway, let me know if there's any glaring things that have been missed by the FAQ or if you disagree with anything particularly. I'll be surprised, but sometimes you guys are significantly more detail-orientated than I am and I want to hear it. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up. We'll be back soon with more Bible content. Yes, we will. <laughs> Goodbye. And also happy blocking.
thanks very much for watching we really appreciate your support if you want to support the channel even further please like and subscribe it really does help us out or come join us on youtube members or in patreon where you can get exclusive access to some content some loot early access to basically everything we do as well as regular competitions or you can pick up some Bonehead Podcast loot either on our website at boneheadpodcast.com. We've got the Dungeon Bowl things, we've got tokens and stuff like that, or on our Spreadshirt site as well. Everything you do just helps us make more content and hopefully do it of better quality. Anyway, thank you very much for watching. Happy blocking.